Hello, and welcome to The Good, The Pod, and The Ugly, Season 6, A Bigger Boat, where we are talking about Steven Spielberg, and uh, we are interviewing a wide variety of people to come on and discuss their favorite Spielberg and their least favorite Spielberg. Uh, and today we are very lucky to have a very get a guest who's very hard to get. Uh, it's Andy Coral. Hi, Andy. Hi. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself before we start. I um, I have some credentials in the film world. And you worked at like a film festival with one of our yes. favorite guests, Rick Pat. I, I have. That's how I met Rick Pat. Um, I was co-director of the Crossroads Film Festival in Jackson, Mississippi um, one year. And, and other years I volunteered in other ways, but... Um, it's a great film festival still happening. And I also worked in a video rental slash tanning bed store <laughs> when I was in college. So yeah, yeah, they they would mix all of those. Uh, mm-hmm. They would be um, tanning salon, yogurt, video store, tattoo shop. Yep. Anything to make about cake pops. I always bring up cake pops because yeah, those weren't th- those weren't a thing though in the nineties. But you, if you think video store. Tanning beds and cake pops. That's a trifecta. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You can run for president now if you had started that business Dang back it. then. Damn it. Uh, Steven Spielberg. He's been around for approximately um, 9,000 years. He has made uh, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> he has been around since the early 70s. He started very young in his teens and his early 20s. The one director that people our age, in our um, mid-30s, um <laughs> Can remember his his movies being an event, regardless of of what the plot was. It wasn't an IP or a superhero story or a sequel. It was a Steven Spielberg movie, so he had to go. Right. I want to talk to like like you about Spielberg and what was going on in in your life and your family when these movies came out, right. and kind of the arc of his career because from the seventies, eighties, and nineties, he was he was the shit. And then as the two thousands come along, which AI your least favorite mm-hmm. is an early example of that. He started falling out of the the zeitgeist. Of, of being an essential director that you had to watch. Right. Um, and I find that fascinating because I am the age where I came of age when Close Encounters was the first of his movies I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so your favorite is? Jaws. And your least favorite is? AI. Okay. So let's start with the earliest one, Jaws, okay. released in 1975 from the best-selling book by Peter Benchley. What were your parents up to in 1975? Um, were they married at that time? You know, that's an interesting story, actually. Oh, is this something that we want to tell on the podcast? It's a family scandal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scandals. Is it, that's the new <laughs> format. Scandals and animals. <laughs> um, they actually were married. They um, didn't tell my grandparents that they... Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting this backwards. They were living together. They were not married. Oh, shit. They told their my grandparents, my mom's parents, that they got married so mm-hmm. that they wouldn't freak out about them living together in Dallas, Texas. They actually did not get married until 1976, I think. So, oh, And I didn't find this out until I was grown and was doing Ancestry.com. Oh. And I found their marriage license, and I was like, <gasps> wait a minute. Because they'd always told me that they'd gotten married, and two years later they had me. But really, they got married a year before they had me. Oh, so they were living in Mississippi 
No, they were living in. They got. They moved they were to living Texas in Texas, and they weren't married. And they weren't married. Honor killings were still legal back then in Texas, right? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, actually, my it was my dad's mom who um, convinced them to come. Well, it was one of the reasons that they decided to come back. The other reason is that they were really broke. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they moved back to Mississippi, and that's where I was born. Um, and and thank goodness you were born because you're here today. Uh, Jaws. Jaws. First time you saw it, was this the first Spielberg movie you saw? No. Um, um, no. Actually, the first Spielberg movie that I saw was Close Encounters, probably. And I remember seeing it. Well, that came out a year after you were born. I know, but I saw it when I was only like three or four, maybe, honestly. I remember it must have come on TV or something somehow. And watch, I remember watching it like with my mom. And it being kind of scary because I was little. Have How many times have you seen Close Encounters since? Um, possibly one other time, but it, As I, an I don't adult? know. No, like probably later on when I was still a kid. That's one movie I'm know. really curious of how it's aged because that was the first mm-hmm. one I saw in 1978. I would have been seven years old when it came out. And um movie blew me away. It was about people living in the suburbs, like a family. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the dad goes crazy. Um, and goes chases, chasing UFOs, but it seemed like the world that I was living in. Mm-hmm. And then to have this incredible adventure that ends with a dude getting on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. The many times I've seen it since as an adult, it, I, I, it's very disjointed. Well, but. and I mean, it's funny that you bring it up that way because I almost listed it as my favorite, but it's not quite my favorite, but it would be E.T., which came out, what, in 82, I think. Because I, I yeah. think I was watching E.T. while my sister was being born. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I remember being taken to see a movie because um, I was staying with, with either an aunt or my grandmother um, while my mom was in the hospital having my sister. And um, we went to see E.T. But that also happened to, like, a suburban family. And I guess back then... That was still kind of a new concept in mm-hmm. movies where you see these things happening to, you know, supposedly ordinary people in yeah. ordinary little sleepy neighborhoods or whatever. I never thought of it that way. but um, and, and in a way, uh, the movie we're going to talk about next that you hate, AI, <laughs> is not dissimilar to um, a lead character's journey really beginning after he breaks from the family unit. Mm-hmm. So uh, thematically. Um, yeah, that's true. And e- even even Jaws, which we're going to talk about right now, uh, the second half of the movie is essentially the dad breaking outside that family unit and being on a, a bro ship find, <laughs> trying to find a shark. Yep. Uh, when did you first see Jaws? I don't really know for sure. Um, I probably was a, a kid, but an older kid, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I remember like not being scared. And I mean, probably because it was so obvious it was this mechanical shark, but, um, okay. But yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, that's one of those movies that sometimes, I guess, like, you know, in the summer, especially, they'll play it a lot, like around the 4th of July or whatever. So it would just be on TV and you'd catch snippets of it or whatever. Um, but then I know the last few years we watched it every summer at your friend Eric's house. Um, Shout out. Friend of the pod. Um, and that's been kind of fun to have that like tradition every year. Well, so you just said that that um, it wasn't that scary that the shark was obviously fake. So what what makes it your favorite then? Because he's had because Spielberg... it's a great movie. Okay, what 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 about it? Let's um, let's break it down. So let's break it down the first half, the first half on the island where it's the the mounting tension. You know, there's mm-hmm. everybody's seen Jaws, and then and then there's a second half where, where I almost think of it as two movies. 
I it is kind of like two movies. Yeah. And and there's a lot to love in each each one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the boat part better. I think probably a lot of people do. Um, the adventure part. Yeah. 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 Which, which is which the was the the most difficult. Everybody knows that the shark broke down, mm-hmm. or the the mechanical shark. Uh, the real shark, you know, was a deadbeat dad, and they couldn't find it, so they had to build a robot. Um, they had some film of real sharks, though, right? Swimming? They did, but the the size of the shark that they wanted was so much bigger than a, than a real footage. Because if you look at Jaws 2, they use a ton of, like... Um, stock footage of sharks Mm -hmm. and it's kind of ridiculous because the shark is supposed to be a monster yeah um i think they did it right in jaws by they they lucked out but also the the size of the shark when you actually see it under the water like Mm -hmm. going under the boat it's pretty spectacular yeah it's massive so you the the second part the second part with quint yeah yeah because brody and I think I probably didn't appreciate that as much when I watched the, you know, when I first watched it probably as a kid, but as an adult watching it, it's just, it's funny. And like, I, I enjoy actually seeing um, Richard Dreyfuss get picked on and he's such a little nerd, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah, that's what you get. But, but no, I mean, Jaws is not a perfect movie, um, you know, compared to like, Scary movies of, well, I don't really like a lot of scary movies that come out today, but you know, it's, it is kind of hokey and whatnot, but, um, I don't know. It's just like a good adventure story, I guess. So the, the famous scene in the, in the boat where there are like shown scars and they're getting drunk and mm-hmm. then he has, the, um, that's Robert probably Shaw. my favorite scene. Actually. Robert Shaw has that sequence where he's talking about the USS Indianapolis mm-hmm. and you can tell which cuts were from when it was earlier in the day and which cuts were from later day because he's obviously drunker. Yeah. Um, but Dreyfus and, and Shaw were not cast, uh, up until less than two weeks before shooting started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of people, a lot of actors of the age that were originally, f- um, thought of for Hooper, but Lee Marvin and Sterling Hayden were both offered the role of Quint. That, that would have been a whole different. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I am I am now older than Robert Shaw was when he played Quint. By the way, no. he was in his late forties. Uh-huh. He was in his late forties. That's a hard late forties. His, uh, his son, who looks exactly like him, actually has a play. Oh yeah, I heard about this about the making of Jaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw um, a photo of him before I knew who it was. I said, "Who the fuck did they get?" For this role, right. because it looks exactly like and, him. And yeah, his, his, that's his right. Because I, I wouldn't mind seeing that if there was a way to see it. Uh, well, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so the first half of the movie, though, like the domestic half, mm-hmm. where uh, you know you have the sheriff, new town. You have his his wife played Lorraine Gary, who was the wife of the producer, which is why she was also in Jaws: The Revenge, which mm-hmm. you and I watched. Mm-hmm. We did with Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Terrible which, and movie. I, I like that one only because of Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine's great. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, Charlton Heston also wanted to play Quint, but it didn't oh. work out because Spielberg was like, no. <laughs> yeah, there's something a little bit seedy about the way Shaw plays him. It's hard to picture. Uh, as grimy as, as Heston got in the 70s, it's kind of hard to Yeah, picture. but yeah. No, you, you believe that this guy was like a pirate or something. And he really was drunk, right? Like he was actually drinking. Was that... Robert Shaw? Yeah, like... Yeah, the Indianapolis the scene, so very famously, uh, as they shot it 
over the course of the day, different takes, uh, he would drink more and more. Yeah. Um, knowing this, the next time you watch it, you can see cuts. Like, it'll cut from him to um, Brody or Hooper listening. And then it'll cut back and it'll be like a different take. Mm-hmm. You could tell it was either from later or earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, if you've seen it a lot, which I've seen it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> the domestic part, the early part, mm-hmm. the the island falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what I always strikes me whenever I see this from Spielberg is how much how much fun he has with filling out the margins of of the community. Mm-hmm. Like there's 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 oddball characters. There's people who who pop off the screen. Yeah, and um. The movie we're watching next really doesn't have any of that same spirit. It no. really seems like he's having a lot of of fun, mm-hmm. like building the whole the whole world of Amity Island. Yeah, and, and the quirkiness um, comes off as is is real in a way that grounds it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something every time I watch it, it's like, well, this seems like a fun place to visit. Yeah, and that's that's how those small how any small town is when I imagine those island towns are really have some colorful characters and there's, you know, the people who grew up on the island that are like locals and then everyone else who only comes there for vacation. Part of what makes this movie interesting, interesting is uh, Peter Benchley wrote a number of versions of the script and, you know, they were, he's, he's not the best writer as far as character and dialogue. And then Spielberg brought in like Carl Gottlieb and a lot of other people. John Milius, I think, did a pass on it, and they did a lot of rehearsal with the characters and improv, and then they would fold some of that dialogue into the script. Uh, so the the pre production had a very organic way of of that kind of stuff that filled out the, the Amity Island stuff. That pretty effective, mm-hmm. even to this day, it it comes yeah. off as feeling like oh, that like this seems is a like... real place and people live there, and it's really hard to pull off because when you're trying to be arch or amusing. I mean, movies can sometimes just miss the boat so completely. It yeah. just makes your they teeth hurt. They go too hurt. far, like, the other direction. How many times have you seen Jaws? I don't know. Did you, do you ever, have you ever been in the water <laughs> and gotten scared thinking about Jaws? Not, not really. I mean, well, I grew up near the Gulf Coast and um, sharks, like, big sh- Well, first of all, I could talk about this in a bunch of different ways, but the island where they are... And I think they talk about this in the movie. It, it's not normal for a shark like that to be up there because the water's too cold. Sharks mm-hmm. like warm water. So that that's a whole other like ball of wax. But on the Gulf Coast, you know, e- even there, usually you still don't see sharks that size because um, at least like the Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Panhandle, that area. I don't know if the water's too shallow or what the deal is, but like you'll see little small sharks usually. Yeah. Um, I was more worried about like jellyfish. Because <laughs> I used yeah, to, that makes sense. I used to get stung by um, not jellyfish, but like there's like little smaller things that can sting you. They're like I forget what they're called. That was bad enough, and I thought if I ever get stung by a jellyfish, I don't know if I can handle it. And I like being in the ocean for the most part. Is it true that uh, the Alabama college football team, Crimson Tide, is is actually named after an incident where a bunch of sharks ate a bunch of little kids, and then the the tide that came in was blood red for weeks. Um, I don't think so, 
But... I hope not because I just made that up. Yeah. And it would be a weird thing that to name be... your team. But the whole name yeah. Crimson Tide, what the fuck does it even mean? I don't know. It's like a tide of, of blood? Is that a good thing? I don't know. Why is it? Why yeah. is it? it I have no idea. It's fucking stupid. It's like, did they pick the color red before they came up with the name? Or did they pick the name and say, okay, well, then we have to, red has to be our color. I don't know. So Jaws came out before you were born. Yes. Before you were even conceived, but we don't like to think about that kind of stuff because that's fucking weird. <laughs> but yes, before I was conceived. <laughs> and you don't even remember the first time you saw it, but you've seen it a lot of times I've since. seen it, at, not maybe not 10 times. Have you ever seen it on the big screen? I saw it, Not, I mean, no, not in a theater. I've seen it like at an outdoor, not, not at Eric's. I actually saw it somewhere else um, on a big screen outside, but... And about the, the, the last half of the movie with the three dudes, the, mm-hmm. the adventure part mm-hmm. and the soaring John Williams action score, which of his music in the movie is probably my least favorite part. Yeah. Um, does that make you want to go out in a boat and go fishing? Not, no, because of what happens to the boat. Um, what and I'm not really a big, what happens to the boat? I've never finished seeing the movie. What happens to the boat at the yes, end? Yes, you have. <laughs> no, what happens to the boat? Um, it sinks. Oh shit! Yeah, it's it's very scary. You pretty much missed the most exciting part of the movie. All right, so if the, you haven't seen that, you have little nieces. I do. We have well a, 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 a tiny niece and then a tall niece. Nine this year. Yeah. So the nine-year-old, mm-hmm. she's like, Aunt Andy, <laughs> I would like to watch a Spielberg. Uh, which one would you recommend? Would you say, well, this is rated PG and it was the highest grossing movie of all time for a couple of years and it's called Jaws. Would you feel comfortable sitting down watching it with her? I would, but she's also a weirdo and has already seen like stuff that I won't even watch. So, <laughs> uh, Did she watch The Walking Dead? She did. Uh, Cadence has seen the, the newer It that came out um, oh. and she was... Like four or five. When she she saw. That. She watched it and its sequel. It's yeah. Right. <laughs> Good for those. Her. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. She can handle Jaws, but she also would probably if she hasn't seen ET, she might would like that too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not. You, have you seen all the sequels? Um. Have I? How You've, many sequels are there? <laughs> there was Jaws two. I've seen that one, um, and I've seen and the woman Michael Jaws, Kane is the third one, right? That's the fourth one. Oh, that's the Jaws fourth three, one. which okay. was originally in three D, which I saw in three D when it was released. Um, Dennis Quaid is in it. I haven't it, seen it that. It takes one. place at a a uh, water amusement park, <laughs> and it's like one of the sharks is just pissed off, like at, a Sea World. Dennis Dennis Quaid okay. plays the older. I think both of the sons, Brody sons, are in this movie. Um, it's a great setting for mayhem. It's probably fairly close to Jurassic Park in a lot of ways. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, that's the one I haven't seen. Nothing's better than watching a movie that was filmed for 3D in 2D and all the times <laughs> that the shark comes right at the camera. It's, it's like, like he's like he's gonna boop it. <laughs> and on 2D it doesn't do anything, but in 3D it was like, oh no, he's coming out of the screen. Oh fuck. All right, question time. Okay. This is your favorite Spielberg. And this is the good, the pod, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, name three good things about Jaws. Um, well, okay. I, I like the um, – it's a very good summer movie. Uh-huh. And I like – I do like the, the island people, you know, the whole setup and the culture. Um, you know, it is it is funny. And so I do like that. Secondly, my favorite scene is actually the three guys. That's I didn't finish this thought earlier. The three guys on the boat 
when they're drinking and telling mm-hmm. more stories and showing off their scars like that. That's it. May that makes me want to hang out with people on a boat. I don't want to fish. I don't care about fishing, and I certainly don't want the boat to sink. But it just looks like fun, like just chilling out on a boat, telling stories, drinking. And I think Spielberg with that scene, it's such a smart scene because it really you've seen all them kind of separate, and this is the first time that they're they're bonding, mm-hmm. and and you. From that point on, you're really pulling from for them as a as a unit, as a team. Yeah. Um, whereas before, they're kind of disparate elements. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, all all three of those guys are great, and um, Shaw and Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Chemistry off the charts. Yeah. So that's that's two, and then I don't know. The shark is 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 kind of funny, and I almost <laughs> feel sorry for the shark after a while. I'm like, you know, he's just living his life. He's just trying to survive. I don't know. A big guy. I need lots of food. Right? What do you want me like, to do, man? What do you want me to do? Yeah. What do you want me to call DoorDash? Tuna? How much tuna do you think I can fucking eat? You think they do DoorDash out here? <laughs> anyway. Bathing suits are good uh, floss for right. teeth. <laughs> I don't know why he has that accent. I don't know either, but... All right, so that was three good things. Yes, three name good a, things. Name one, um, two bad things. Two bad things? Yes. Um, the shark is super fake. Uh-huh. And I don't like that Quint dies. I wish that... He could have stuck around for like a sequel or something. Yeah, and then uh, name one ugly thing, and that could be something that hasn't aged oh. well, or or maybe a comment that comes from an earlier era that wouldn't wouldn't fly. I'm sure there are some, and I can't remember right now. Um, I how, I don't understand the lady whose little kid gets eaten on the floaty. She seems like she's sixty years oh. old. How does she have? How did she have such yeah. a little kid? That's like me having that a kid is my a, age. an unanswered question. Um, did Spielberg just not know because he didn't have kids? He's like, well, that that seems like a mom. Um, or she was that lady was old. like, um, what's his like the like Quint and was really like she was like thirty five years old, but she looked like it was she a was, hard thirty five on the right, island. I know. <laughs> I don't know, but that is something that I've wondered, and I just I'm I'm like, well, maybe um, the little boy was adopted like later in life for her and her husband, or maybe that's really their grandchild that they're raising. I don't know. It's a whole bunch of stories just open up. What, what do you have an ugly thing? Not really. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And uh, yeah, we we do. We watch it every Fourth of July mm-hmm. in the backyard of Eric's. Has a special. He does. He does it up. Yeah. Podcast listeners, uh, you should show up at Eric's house <laughs> next Fourth of July. You're in for a good time. Yep. Are you ready to talk about um, AI? Sure. From two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's from early 2001 because we watched it the other night and the World Trade Center zzz, That's are right. still in it. That's right. That's true. And it all takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe an alternate future. Yeah. Hopefully. So uh, taking back 2001, you didn't know me yet. No, I didn't. Um, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry you didn't know me. You were missing out. <laughs> uh, what, what were you up to in 2001? Did you see this movie in theaters? I did. I was living in Memphis. I was in graduate school. And so I had probably just finished my first year of grad school. And then that was this. But I was in school that summer, too. Um, And my parents and my sister came to visit me. Mm -hmm. And that movie, I guess, was one of the new movies playing. And How how old um, would you have been? How old was your sister? I was 24. My sister would have been 19. So she was in college, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, there was a big movie theater downtown, 
Um, and this place, I don't even know if this is still there, but it's called Peabody Place. It was kind of new at the time. It was like, uh, it was like a mall, but also had a movie theater and like a bowling alley or whatever, you know. Um, so I took my family, we went downtown to do a lot of things like go on Beale Street or whatever. And then we decided to see a movie. So we went there and we picked AI because, well, it's like you said, it was a Steven Spielberg movie. So. It didn't matter. It looked interesting. And and I, I want to reiterate what I said earlier about Spielberg. Uh, maybe maybe Christopher Nolan now you, you can compare where it's like it doesn't matter who's in it. Directors, mainstream, big studio directors whose movies are expected to make a profit or vie for Oscars. They don't have the name recognition now because the name recognition is all in the IP or the actors or a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Spielberg was was pretty much top of the roost and had been for quite a while mm-hmm. when this came out. Yeah, so we just thought, oh, we'll go see the new Spielberg movie. And? Um, and it started out okay. I mean, little Haley Joel's in it and... Um, you know, it was, we knew it was going to be like futuristic and weird. So you just kind of went with it for a while and then it just, it just went off the rails, I think. Mm -hmm. And we weren't sure what was happening. And like, every time we thought the movie was almost over, it kept going. And and my sister and I were just laughing by the end of it because it just seemed like it reminded me of like when you're. When uh, you're putting a kid to bed and they want you to tell them a story and you're just making up a story uh-huh. and you don't really know how to end it. So you just you'd be like, and then he went to he went underwater and and then, you know, because it, it just it's like it would never end. It just seemed like really and sloppy you, and, and and ever ever since I met you, I mean, whenever this this comes up, <laughs> I mean, you always talk about how mm-hmm. how god awful it is. Mm-hmm. I think before we rewatch it the other day, you sent me a text saying, "Are we watching that god awful movie tonight?" I did absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, op- open mindedness on reviewing it uh, didn't change your mind at all. Not really. I will say um, it wasn't as bad as I remember it feeling. When we were watching it, when I saw it the first time, and I think part of it is because we were in a theater and like, we were like, oh my God, when is this going to be over? Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, at a certain point, and this was actually probably before they started putting like recliners in the theater, even a, a cushy movie theater seat gets uncomfortable. And, you know, I mean, I'm like thinking my my family's only here for a couple of days. Like, we've already been in this theater for two and a half hours. <laughs> like, when is this so going to be you over? You basically felt like Haley Joel Osment at the end of the movie where you've been sitting in a, yes. a submergible helicopter. Staring for at this movie years. that makes no sense and wondering when it's going to be over. So so it was more painful. Um, it wasn't as bad watching it at home. Um, but it's still, yeah, it I could tell kind of where it it really went off the rails and and I you know I'm oh like, yeah oh yeah this is the point where we were like cuz I in the beginning you're kind of with it you're like okay well this is an interesting story and uh and then yeah it just it's like it takes a hard left so turn So what what do you know about the the background of this movie? Well not a lot. I mean I know more now that probably than I did then. But I know that you know this was something that Kubrick was working on for a long time. And um, actually, I, I read this because I didn't know this. I didn't know how it got to Spielberg, but it's it's something I read said that he kind of turned it over to Spielberg before he died because he's like, this is really kind of more your kind of thing. Yeah. 
Um, I guess he thought he would do a better job with it. I, I tell you, I would really love, I wish that there was a version that was just the Kubrick version. I would love to see that just to compare. You know, I almost want to have a version where it was Spielberg directing and, and Kubrick was alive and was the executive producer and the writer and he was on the set, you know, kind of like a, yeah. executive producing like in a TV show. Because a, a lot of the problems that this movie has, and I hadn't seen it since it came out, and um, I hadn't really thought about it a whole lot. I remember liking most of it when it came out, and then rewatching it the other night. Um, there's still quite a bit of it that I, I found quite good, and, and there's a very clear point where it gets bad, and it's unfortunate because Jude Law looks great. He puts everything into it, but the entire sequence. Uh, as soon as he meets him, basically until Jude Law leaves, the movie is terrible. Oh, and- yeah. Well, and what was funny, too, is watching that now and knowing and having seen some of as much as I could stand of Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, this is like Ready Player One 20 years ago. I mean, it just and and I even remember back then thinking this looks cheesy, like it didn't look futurist like real futuristic it looked like a cartoon or something so after watching it the other day i was curious i I went down i went back and did some research obviously the story was a short story from the 70s um super toys last all summer long by brian aldis kubrick had this idea forever to make it a bunch of different people worked on it he fired a bunch of people he fired aldis the original writer and hired ian watson who was like a uh, a rival science fiction writer hmm. to all this, all this weird uh, cool. inside baseball nonsense. Um, and the 90 page treatment that Spielberg has the writing and directing credit and screen story by Spielberg and Ian Watson. But uh, really what he was going off as is a treasure trove of research um, design work by Kubrick uh, detailed notes. In fact, most people say that the opening 20 to 30 minutes and then the closing 20 to 30 minutes are, are pretty much all all Kubrick, almost verbatim to what he wrote. Mm. Um, I could see that. Because the, the opening is sort of. quite good. Yeah, how how quickly bad. it gets into the story mm-hmm. and then the the whole portion with Haley Joel Osment as the, the creepy kid. Mm-hmm. Really well done. I'm not a big fan of Janice Kaminsky's um, fake lighting. It hasn't aged well. He's still doing the same shit in 2022. This movie, we're less than 10 years into the Kaminsky-Spielberg double-headed visual monster. And it's not as bad as as his uh, subsequent work. I think Kaminsky and Spielberg, their visual style has just gotten really drab and overblown. But I I, I like the opening of this movie. And and up until she dumps the kid and the the teddy bear, who was the best part of the movie... (laughs) Oh my god, the teddy bear. Um yeah. as soon as they get to the the flesh fair. Ugh. Which I think is is on one one level horrific in kind of a, a, a Disney cartoon way. But th- nothing's fleshed out in this movie. Uh Gigolo Joe, who apparently in, in the original treatment there were lots of sex scenes in it, is is almost completely sexless, even though he's a robot programmed to express love. Haley Joe Osment plays a robot who has been programmed to actually feel love. Um, the movie has zero interest in exploring how close what they're programmed to do and how different that looks. Mm-hmm. It like never even brings it up. That's true. Yeah. And it, it, it's so interesting what humans want from technology. 
and you just want the movie to like grasp with some bigger themes because they're they're almost there. Yeah. In the beginning of what technology can do, but then it's so surface level. And yeah. um Spielberg was the flesh fair, so the destruction of robots, why are they so mad at robots? I don't know. But that does seem like it's... something that humans would do cuz humans are awful. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And I think I that mean, the parts of this movie where really where maybe Kubrick comes through the strongest is that that um the protagonists are robots and the humans are really horrible. Mm-hmm. Um it's Spielberg true. does give William Hurt the uh old dude from Jurassic Park treatment where he's like the kindly old man who has a lost son. Yeah. And that that stuff just does not resonate with me. And no. the, the Pinocchio stuff, the harder it leans into the fairy tale element. I don't know. I don't really need another remake. I know Kubrick was like, he called this movie his Pinocchio or Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really need to see versions of things I've seen a million times. Yeah. But yeah, the, the whole middle of this movie, when it once it goes to Sex City and Jude Law has the completely most G-rated, <laughs> almost sex scene. <laughs> I mean, they, they do there are no – she's never done it before when we were first introduced to Gigolo Joe. Um, and then the whole plot with him being framed of killing someone is so abrupt. Uh, it, it's Yeah, it was – that whole – I mean, I like Jude Law. Um, I have but, no problem with his performance because I think he's yeah, doing, he's think doing he, what Spielberg's asking him to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that – But you could almost not have – him or, or that storyline at all in this and just i mean you know like because it's because he sort of dropped in like that it's very quick and then they get you know rounded up and sent to the flesh fair or whatever and then um you know they steal the the helicopter thing and uh and, but eventually i guess what they're in they new make york. it to new york they yeah. make it to new york and then then it's it reminded me of um i forget get the character the dog on the simpsons where he's like well my home planet needs me now <laughs> and he just leaves poochie poochie yeah it was a very poochie ending it was i like, have well, to go now i'm being arrested my now bye <laughs> poochie was never seen again <laughs> exactly that's exactly what happened he was poochie <laughs> and it was like okay well great he got him to new york i guess that was the the point because but... because the gigolo joe obviously uh, i'm thinking in the thinking of this story is a really important part of uh, a lot of the themes that maybe they want to explore of what humans are moving towards in their relationship with technology but you're right he does absolutely nothing and really he doesn't move the plot forward because mm-hmm. haley joel um what's his name david David. David. Yeah. He is the one that gets Gigolo Joe out of the flesh um, mm. flesh fair thing. Yeah. Um, it's not the other way around. Yeah. Uh, there's there's nothing where Gigolo Joe is like, hey, I, I got this uh, robot boner and I, I can use it. I can change. It can change size and I can use it to unlock this uh, this prison we're in. And they're like, oh, cool. And he yeah. says, I'm going to take you because uh, you seem like a real person. And, and I think I can teach you a little bit about what these humans are really like. And then that would have been a great sequence, right? Yeah. And he could have said exactly all the things he has learned as a a uh, a fuck toy robot. Yeah, and then that's true. You you could contrast that with um, David, who just just wants his mom's love. Mm-hmm. Which Haley Joel Osment's great in this movie. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was really good. And the, the teddy bear was mostly a, a real animatronic on set. Really, robot. Oh, 
Obviously I liked the teddy bear, but I I I wanted to see. It, I didn't remember that this movie was so PG. I really wanted that bear to have like a dirty mouth. <laughs> I just wanted like him Ted? to be like. Damn it. He wanted the Ted bear. Maybe. Uh, yeah, the Ted bear. I just was like, why? Is it? Like think, when he falls, he falls out of a tree or something and hits the ground. He's like, ow. And it was funny. Do you think Seth MacFarlane watches and said, man, I really wanted that bear to start cussing. Maybe. He's like, Maybe I'm going to so. go home and write Ted. <laughs> and Matt Damon's going to star in it. Maybe. Because, oh, that little bear. He, he was funny. Seth, that's Mark Wahlberg. It's Matt Damon. Shut up. (laughs) I'm writing Ted, too. That's (laughs) T-O-O. The bear. Probably the best part. Uh, Yeah, the the Sex City part. um, Terrible. Um, The Gigolo Joe literally has nothing to do. The flesh fair with Brendan Gleeson. Oh, yeah. We like him, but he was a bad guy in this one. Yeah. Uh, and William Hurt's character, where the movie really doesn't, it, it almost makes him out to be, you know, the Geppetto, where he's mm-hmm. just, uh, his name is Hobby, and Professor Hobby, and he yeah. just created because he misses his son. Um, I think the avaristic nature of uh, corporate America, which he changed the character in Jurassic Park to be a softy guy who just wanted people to have fun. In the book, he was just an uh, avaristic, terrible mm-hmm. um, businessman. And that that also hurts William Hurt's character because exploiting people and their love for little things, uh, I mean, you would make a gazillion dollars. Yeah. That but would, it would also be like because you would have horrible. to spend a gazillion dollars to to build a robot like that. Yeah. So where where what are you going to do? It, it's like they exist in that fake movie world where they can make all this technology mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter that there's no money for it. Yeah, I was like, well, if this was experimental, why did they go ahead and make all these others? And they all looked the same. They were all Davids. Yeah. And then there was a Darlene. There was a girl. I'm like, wouldn't that be weird to have? Everyone who gets one of these, their kids all look the same. Like, I don't know. Or then uh, when he finally gets to the submerged, they it, it turns out William Hurt left a, a trail. And it had the this the terrible scene with Robin Williams as the Einstein thing. Oh, God. Yeah. It was like Google existed in 2001, Steven Spielberg. I know. What the That's fuck? That's basically what it was. It was like pe- going into an internet cafe to use Google. And you have to pay for each question. It was question. cartoon Einstein or whatever. Interminable. Yeah, it was, uh, it was dumb. It's sad because a few years later he made Minority Report and Envisioning the Future, they hired a bunch of actual futurists to say, well, this is where they think technology is going. And uh, Minority Report, for all its problems, I mean, that part of it has mm-hmm. has stood up fairly well. Well, it just, you know, the, it, there was this part of the movie that I'm like, wait, okay, wait, this is a kid's movie. You know, that part made it seem like a hokey kid's movie. Yeah. You know, where they're on this, it's almost like Wizard of Oz, like this adventure, and he picks up people along the way, and he's gonna, he's, but he's looking for this one thing. And, it go, and the Pinocchio stuff comes up again. So, uh, and and Kubrick's um, affection for fairy tale uh, plot structures, particularly with Clockwork Orange, where the first part of the story is repeated um, in the second half mm-hmm. after he gets out of prison. Yeah, uh, very much a fairy fairy tales are very much structured the same way. Uh, you can see his attraction to it. It's just hard to imagine what this would have been like 
either directed by him or had he been alive and worked on it with Spielberg. Yeah. I don't know. I've really, I mean, while I was watching it and then since then I've been thinking like, what would that have been like? Would it have been much different? Would it have been better? I want to believe it would have been better, but I don't know. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I know a lot of people disagree, but I, I think the ending of this movie is the best part of the movie. It's fantastic. Because it's over. No, no, the end, no, the end, the endings where he's submerged, sitting, looking at the blue fairy, and then time goes by, and then, um, the robots that evolve from what he is are these almost alien looking creatures. And all that's left of all of humanity is this little robot whose main function was to be able to feel love. I think it's a beautiful concept. Uh, I think it's, it's, it was great when I first saw it. It was great when we watched it the other night, but um, it's like at the end of a, a long movie with a lot of problems. Yeah, and and even then, I was I was like, and then and I just thought it wasn't going to be over, you know, and there was going to be another because that's just how it seemed to be going. Like that whole thing of him sinking down there and staring at the the blue fairy, or you know, like uh, we don't need all that. Just because it, it lingered on that for a little bit before it fast forwarded into the future. Yeah, and it's like, uh, come on, man, get it. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of the ending. Um, wow. the, all, I, I was all, all three, all three of them. Well, I guess that's what I mean. Like, they, there, I think there would have been a better way to end it. You could have that same ending, but cut out the, some of the other stuff that's not necessary. Uh, and then um, he dies at the end. He finally goes to sleep, and then the little teddy bear. I don't know. I mean. I have stuff up in the attic, like stuffed animals, and uh, the the fur on that shit after just a couple years. I know. With that teddy bear underneath the fucking water for two thousand years, there's there's no way. Well, that they his were fur looks that good. They were concealed in the. It's get pretty cold. I mean, his uh, face was covered in frost. Yeah, I don't know. He's... You know, um, he he didn't um blink once in the entire movie. The bear? No, David Haley Joel Osment. He didn't. No, that was that was one of his ideas too. He never blinks. I did not know that, but if I ever watched it again, I'll even in the in like the crying <laughs> scenes, uh, he, he does a great job. Anyway, we love you, Haley Jawsman. Yeah, he's no, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's great. all grown up now. Yeah, and we love the teddy bear too. Teddy's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so a- AI, you saw it with your family. Mm-hmm. This is only the second time you've seen it. Yes. So you saw it with your new family. Oh. Is it, is it any better now? Do you think uh, you saw? No. It sounds like you've softened a little bit. Well, it, it wasn't. I think it. You know, it was shocking. Like watching it for the first time, thinking like, "Oh, this isn't bad. This is, you know, it's it's different." And then it just completely like crap in the bed, and and then not ending. Like just it. This is awful, and it won't stop. <clears throat> I think that was so jarring. And it, it was, it was just, I, you know, wa- my sister and I walked out of the theater just laughing our heads off. Like that was the worst movie we've ever seen. And so ever since then, yeah, I mean, when people would ask me, I'm like, well, at least now I have an answer. If somebody says, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Okay, this can't be the worst movie you've um, ever seen. Well, that was my answer for a long time. I think I'd still, I'd still say it's one of the worst. Okay. Um, but there are others. Yeah. All right. Sure. So th- this is your worst movie. So you're going to tell me one good thing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Perfect. He's great. Uh, name me two bad things. Well. We still have three uglies, so. Oh, okay. Okay. God. <laughs> keep, your, keep your scroll handy. Lord. Um, two, I mean, it's too long. 
and um, it's too all over the place. It it need needed it needs a lot of help. Three ugly things. Three ugly things. Um, the whole middle section, the the um, the neon city, whatever that was, it was just like I said. It's like he had that idea back then, and then just used it again for Ready Player One, <laughs> kind of. Okay. Second um, ugly thing. Second would be um, I just I didn't like how quickly they like dumped him off. I felt like I don't know. I just there it, that that whole part too where he joins the family and then the brother comes back and it's just like disjointed a little bit and I just didn't like it. One more ugly thing. Oh god. Movie's bad. I don't know. The aliens at the end were that was really weird. They're I just they're robots. Oh wait, they're robots. Yeah, those I are, thought they those, were aliens. No, those are evolved robots. Do you remember the first scene where Halo Joe Osment is introduced, and it's uh, very overblown light be- behind him, almost like uh, yeah. David Fincher was on set that day. Mm-hmm. And the shape that he makes, it's the same shape as the the robots at the end of the movie. But those are robots oh, that are evolved yeah. version, and, and and they are so far from humanity, they know nothing about it. So they they are looking for information on their creators, and that's what makes Haley Joel Osment's character so important to them. Uh, um, okay. It's it's almost like it's their. Well, see that all oh, that was really confusing. It's like their. Uh, it's like their only way to be able to communicate almost with with God to see what it was like, because man is their creator, and man uh, and wrong. and really. Um, what what William Hurt's doing is kind of a similar thing for humans at the starting of the movie, anyway. Uh, okay. Well, thematically, the, those 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 little those little threads at the beginning of the ending, I think, could have made for a more interesting movie. But I, it flew right over my head. Apparently, so. okay. <laughs> uh, do you have any other memories about Steven Spielberg going to see Spielberg movies in theaters, um, having robust conversations or arguments with um, friends or family about Spielberg movies? Uh, you're the only you and. Jack were the only people I know who, um, uh, not the only people I know, but the only family, <laughs> only family I've had who, uh, come, she's chained, who come home and no, I'm, if you let me finish my sentence, okay, go ahead. Y'all are the only people that I am close with who do, um, sit and debate and talk about movies for hours on end. So no, my family and I, I mean, we, you know, we'd be like, oh, that was good. Or, oh, that was terrible. And then we go about our business. Like. But, um, so, but the thing I was getting about at Spielberg is that like, so many of his movies, he's had so many during uh, really formative years for a couple generations mm-hmm. that there are movies like for me, I think of like uh, Raiders of Lost Ark, Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be it, actually. <laughs> uh, but I think of like how those movies, how when I think about that time in those years that, that uh, it, it's almost impossible to pull the movies from what from who I was back then. Does that make sense? Oh, I see. Yeah. I just don't think, um, I, I wouldn't put Spielberg movies in that category for myself personally, other than E.T. is really the, probably the one that stands out the most because I was the right age for that. I was five years old. Demographic. And man. it, and I just remember that it was at the same time that my sister was being born. And so it, you know, I always associate that movie with my sister and, um, and it was summer and, when, when's the what's the last Spielberg movie that one was coming out? You're like, oh man, I gotta go see that. 
Um, it was like War, War of the Worlds. Did you go see that? No. Uh, Minority Report. You don't like Tom Cruise. Yeah, um, it's been a long time. Catch Me If You Can. Munich. Oh, Munich uh, was good. Yeah, I did like, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I need to rush theaters? out to see it. No, I don't think so. What's the last Spielberg you saw in a theater? I don't know. I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. Really? Yeah. This century, you think? I don't know. Well, 2001. Was it AI? Maybe. Did AI break it for you? <laughs> and you're like, Maybe. I'm done with you, Spielberg. Well, and you you know me, I'm not a big fan of watching movies in theaters, and I haven't been for a long time, so I'm I'm also like- I'll She's just, allergic to popcorn. I'll just wait till I can watch it at home. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Social media, Good, the Pod, and the Ugly. We are on uh, Instagram, Twitter. We are now on Facebook. Oh. Uh, we are on Gab and Parlor. No, we're not. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're on YouTube. Thanks to Andy. Thanks to Weird AI for the amazing theme song, which we love uh, about as much as all the other theme songs, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, this is going to be really exciting. Yay. Talk Am I to the first guest? These. Am I the first one? This might not be the first episode we air. We might okay. have one that's like um, like if we if we get Chris Rock for the next one. Good luck with that. Or, uh, or John Hamm. John Hamm might be in the studio. Ooh. The ham dog. Um, let me know. Okay. You want to do a special interview? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. And then Amy Adams will be on it the week after. Is that all right? That's fair. Yeah, okay. That's fair. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, back to more Spielberg next time. Bye.